welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you as always from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to episode four. Afternoons were for match play. This is another episode in my Scottish golf experience series that I think you'll really enjoy. In today's conversation, I delve deep into my favorite memories of golf in Scotland, which were my afternoon matches with and against my friend Matt Cheney. This interview is a companion piece to an essay that you can find over on the blog at onebeardedgolfer.com by the same name called Afternoons Were for Match Play. I hope you'll take a few minutes and uh, check it out over there. It's more my thoughts rather than our collaborative memories of those very, very special afternoons. Before we go any further, a reminder that you that the Blind Shots podcast is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows. And you can find them over at talkinggolf.com. There's one G in talkinggolf.com. There you can find some great golf podcasts, including the Good Good Golf Podcast from host Rod Morey and Adrian Logue, where they talk about what's good about the game, the sport, and the business of golf, uh, both from the past and the present. If you're a fan of golf history at all, do yourself a favor. A couple of episodes ago, dig into their archive or their feed stream and find all about Seve. Uh, the guys had a, a roundtable discussion uh, about Seve Ballesteros that will absolutely blow your socks off. You'll feel like you knew the man, and he's been gone far too long already. Uh, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online over at OneBeardedGolfer.com. You can interact with me directly on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. That's number one, Bearded Golfer. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook under the OneBeardedGolfer handle. And as always, there will be links to the show over on the website. So I hope you'll head over there and check it out. Uh, dig around. You may even find something you like worth reading. Now, on to my conversation with Matt. During our trip to the old country... We used the Loomis method of planning our days, which you might remember from episode one. Uh, we got one tea time per day in the morning and played the rest of the day by ear. Uh, our hope and what ended up happening was that we'd have the opportunity to really soak in a place, to figure out what made some place special, rather than trying to rush around and play as many courses off the open road as we could or uh, see as many tourist sites as we could see, uh, which given the short daylight hours in October probably wouldn't have been that many anyway. Uh, by planning a bare minimum of activities, we left ourselves the option to play an extra round of golf if we felt like it. But nothing would be set in stone. You know, nothing that we had to do if, say, the weather turned nasty or somebody was hurting or fatigue had set in. And as it turns out, on two days of our golf trip, Matt and I decided to try to squeeze in a few extra holes. The first was at Ely, and the second was at the Jubilee course at the St. Andrews Lynx Complex. Neither time did we have any illusions of getting a full second 18 holes in, so we decided up front we'd play a simple match play game, uh, and we'd play for as many holes as we could get in before darkness or exhaustion overtook us. Those two afternoons turned into the best, most memorable, most magical moments of the golf trip. I tried to write about it in the, the essay over on the blog. I tried to convey what those rounds felt like, what I found out there from my perspective. And I, I do hope you'll go and, and check that out. But I really think the essence of what I was getting at, the full description of the spirit of the game, if you will, the spirit of golf that I found over in Scotland comes through better in, in this discussion with Matt. We reminisce with equal parts laughter and, and serious thought and reflection, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode of the Blind Shots podcast. And without any more from me, here's my interview with Matt Cheney, and afternoons were for match play. I 
we'll set up for the listeners a little bit of what we had done on this day. We had played 18 holes at Ely, which is a fabulous course, a short course. You know, there aren't any big bruising par threes. We probably had a 15-mile-an-hour sustained wind all day. And it's hilly. You know, for a Lynx course, there was a, a yeah. fair bit of elevation change from the sea. Well, especially one and two, especially. Yeah, you start out going a blind shot over a mountain. Um, small mountain, but, you know, there's a reason there's a periscope in the clubhouse from a submarine. Um, <laughs> yep. So our third member, Fred, begged off. He made good friends with the bartender. Uh, but we had daylight left, and so Matt and I wanted to go out uh, and, you know, simple match play was the way to go. Um, now, you, I was really, really happy that you decided to come back out with me. I was going out regardless, and I would have been fine taking a cab back by myself. But uh, all six wheels of your bus came off <laughs> during our, our what we'll call the metal round. Uh, there, uh, there, there was a time where I found myself just staring off into the Firth of Forth, wondering if I should uh, take half of my bag and throw it in there. You know, there was a shot on the ninth hole, and, and Fred put this best the other day. He said a, a jockey shot where the the bag may have still been right in your back <laughs> for some of the official yeah. strokes. Yeah. Um, so, but <laughs> what are you going to do? It's not like there's a, a Top Golf or a driving range. Uh, easily accessible around there. So uh, we we knew we couldn't get 18 in uh, at that time of the year, but we just went off and we're going to get as much golf in as we could. What what were you thinking coming back out there? What where were you when we you know duffed our tee shots because we had a four pound hamburger or, or soup that was soup and sandwich? Day. Yeah, that was the soup and sandwich day. Um, well, the number one thing I was thinking was what the heck am I, what am I doing here? Because um, we're in day three at this point. Um, we've t- It's been planes, trains, and automobiles for buses and uh, and trains and walking through Carnoustie at seven in the morning and all sorts of other things. And now it's the afternoon of the third day. I've sat down. Um, I, I've, you know, taken a rest. And now I stand back up and everything creaks. And uh, I just got done playing like garbage. And I'm going to go back out into the breeze and do it again, huh? Um, so, so fortunately there wasn't a lot of thought, um, because I think if I had thought, uh, I might've thought better about it, but that's one of those things where, you know, the a bad round ends on 18 and, and, you know, the next round is the next round, even if it's only an hour later. And now be honest. And I didn't, this wasn't me sandbagging, but how much better did you feel once I hit the maintenance barn on one? <laughs> It uh, it put a little pep in my step. I will I will be honest. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a flyer, and I hadn't seen you hit very many flyers that day, even with the conditions. So yeah, that that wind was going straight across this hole, and the first hole at Ely is tough. It's a really long par four. Now the the second two thirds of it are straight downhill, but it's still far. So for some reason, I pulled a five wood. Just you know, part of the nature of match play. It's like okay, I'm going to try this shot, and if it works, great. Um, but yeah, I hit the maintenance barn on the bounce, which is technically is on the other golf course there. It's on the little family course. So, yep. um, but that was one of the nice things I loved about those afternoon matches is that we weren't going to post a score. You know, we, nobody was worried about posting it to their their gin index. So, okay, I'm going to try to save seven here. If I do, great. If not, fine. You know, there's a real now, granted, there's I'm still competitive. I want to win the hole, but there's a real freedom in kind of that swashbuckling mentality that you Absolutely. get there. Um, one of my other favorite aspects, right out of the bat, I think on the second hole, it was almost too far to walk for the tees we were supposed to be playing. So we kind of made our own golf course, and I hadn't done that in a really long time. I don't know what your normal game is. No, that's and that. That's that's part of the beauty of of this type of a setup, especially you know during shoulder season. There at the end, there aren't a lot of people around, um, and and I just think, you know, a little bit of, of Scotland is is just more that way than we are over here, where it, it's it's okay to kind of just go, and you don't have to follow the exact already plotted course of everything. Um, but yeah, I have. I certainly hadn't done that in a very long time either. You know, and, and it was. It really. You know, it, it didn't really make a difference there. But on that third hole, Daly, which is, 
I think is maybe the prettiest hole of that front side where you're on top of the hill hitting down all the way down to the valley um, you know went from a nice shot to a really long shot you know like a four Absolutely. iron or a hybrid um, well and it plays longer than than you even think they can tell you the yardage and it's it's longer than that whatever you think it is it's longer than that it is yeah that was playing straight into the wind and you got to you made friends with the neighbors on that hole that was one of my lovely favorite. lovely folk there in uh, in ely there that helping me helping me find my golf ball right next to their house in the morning round. i believe that's that was wheel number two or three already at that point but uh yeah no lovely people down there <laughs> you know that that was a fun hole where in that afternoon match um you know, one of the reasons I think I could relax and, and not take the score so seriously is we're playing right into the sun for as soon as we turn towards the sea. And it, it makes everything sparkle and it makes the course absolutely beautiful. Um, and, but, you know, going right into the wind, there was kind of a freedom of, I think I saw that drive. I think it, it felt like it felt like a tow hook or it felt like a, a heal all God's children with a, a hosel slice. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't there. There wasn't an urgency to go find every ball and, and grind on every shot. No, absolutely. That's the beauty of match play. That's the the be- again, especially in a situation like that where um, you know where it's not crowd. You're not being. There's nobody rushing you behind you, but there's really nobody holding you up in front of you. Um, you're really playing at your own pace, and yeah, and especially in match play, uh, you you definitely weigh how much you really want to walk over by that gorse bush over there to go find whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that that's true. I think there was one older couple on the course while we were there. Um, you know, and, and I remember just laughing. I remember being, we, it was too far to walk back to the fifth tee. So we played from the red tees, the front tees, which are right behind the fourth green, which put, I don't know, like a hybrid or five iron in our hands. Yeah, I think we made a rule that you could only go up to, a, you know, a, a low wood or a high iron. No no drivers allowed. Right. Um, but I remember having to aim, and I was laughing about this today, just recalling. The wind was, at, was blowing perfectly across that fairway. I can still see the house that I aimed at, which was over the seventh green. You know, it was like a 15 or 20 degree angle right. And I yep. still ended up on the left side of the fairway. And that was that beautiful, wrinkled, tumbly uh-huh. fairway that looks like yep. a, you know surface of the moon. Um, but just being out there, and I don't want to speak for you, put words in your mouth, but that there was such a lightness to it. There was it, it really was magical to me. It's like I feel like I, I, we were in the right place at the right time doing the things that – spectacular corner of earth was meant to do it was really something special even more so than in the middle of the day uh for that first round i know i agree that you know the the gigantic sun that's just above the horizon for uh you know for the entire round it doesn't really move that time of the year up there um yeah it it definitely is one of those feelings that you kind of and you you kind of forget about everything else for just a little bit, you know. You you're like you said you're you're at a place that was meant to do just that, and you are there doing it. And especially for us, you know, coming from across the pond, that you know it's it was a special thing to be there anyway. And then you put on top of it, you know, the the scenery and the fact that we're playing at whatever pace suits us. And um, yeah, it. it Lightness is a very is a very apt term. Um, it just it's one of those things that's incredibly difficult to recreate. I'm sure it is, and, and that's something uh, I've spent the whole winter, you know, here five six months later thinking about. Um, you know, one of the the joys of of even being different of one on one match out there with you versus when all three of us were playing is that with true match play like that, every shot changes with every next stroke 
you know what, what may what may have been okay you know i would normally be aggressive and hit x hit a driver here or, or five wood or something and all of a sudden i see you blast one from the sixth tee over way over to the seventh fairway it's like okay that you know all of a sudden i've got to change that strategy on the fly and i think that's what made our two afternoon matches so intense um for me just that you know i, I had seen the course and now it was about, you know, really trying to play it, trying to do, you know, differently, not just put up, you know, I, I wanted to break 90 every round in Scotland. I didn't do it. Carnoustie got me. Um, but that you're, you're not alone. Yeah, right. But just being able to try crazy shots, hit the, you know, spin a ball or, or get it under the wind. Um, that was that was a neat feeling. One, I don't get a whole lot here playing, even in our leagues. Uh, no sure. play there. Sure. No, and again, it's it's a little bit it's a different type of place. Like I said, you know, the here in the states, everything is a little more formulaic, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's just you are supposed to hit it here. Next, you hit it there. If you miss that, it's a bad shot. Over there. I mean, when we were playing the old course is a perfect example. No, the best shot's to hit it on the other hole over there. You know, you don't get that, that over here uh, nearly as much. Um, it's Over there, it's much more, here's, here's what the earth gives you. Go use it in whatever fashion you think is best. Right. And, you know, I think to that extent, uh, maybe that's what helped you find your game. Because halfway through our match out there, we were never more than two holes apart, I don't think, for that whole afternoon. And all of a sudden, you started hitting golf shots somewhere. I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to chalk it up to being loosened up by the fact that uh, I don't remember whether it was on seven where I hit a drive that ended up traveling backwards, even though it went hundreds of yards forwards. Yeah, that was six. You caught the wind. Yeah. In, you hit it into seven. Yeah, you played from seven. <laughs> yes. You hit a boomerang. Yeah, that was. That's right. That's right. And and again, not a not a wicked slice kind of a boomerang. It just that that was what the course was going to going to give me that day but and you know when you've got that kind of that kind of thing going on it it does even even after the day that that I had had up to that point uh it makes it easier to kind of forget that and just just go play golf you know and, and that's the key that's what that's the spirit of the game i found over there was that you know, if there was a, if the wind was blowing, so be it. It's game day. You know, if you if you get a bad bounce and you end up in a bunker, so be it. You got to hit, you know, just a better shot on the next one. And I, I think in the afternoons that really kind of hit home for me much more so than than just our our metal play mornings. Um, you know, I like that I like that our match that Ely match came down to the 18th green. That was cool. You know, being able to, again, our laziness got us, and so we played the championship tees on the 18th because they're a lot closer to the 17th green. That's that's right. Um, you know, there's a lot of walk. There's no carts. There's no escalators uh, over there. That's all walking. Um, yeah, but that was was cool to have it. Uh, you know, and, and for you listeners, we're not gambling life savings. Like the kids' college funds aren't at risk. But, you know, a five-pound bet is a five-pound bet. Uh, and I want to sure. win. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I want to beat you. And, and what is on the line, you know, it matters a little, but uh, but not nearly as much as the, the joy of just getting the win. Yes, exactly. That that smug satisfaction that I that's won right. and, and you didn't. That's, that's exactly there's, right. We've known each other long enough that there's nothing like it. Um, <laughs> And, and you made a valiant comeback and, and rally. I, I will give you that. That was the joy I felt with Fred meeting us there. And Fred discovered that whiskey is cheaper than beer in Scotland. Yep. So he was yep. he was a very happy soul, happy chap uh, when he met us he on was. the 18th green. Uh, but that was that was a good tired. Uh, and I think any yes. golfer will understand what that means. So that was our first match where afternoons are for match play. Our second match play two days later was very different. Um, you know, we the the setup, the execution, 
And the results were different. And I'll, I'll set this up for the listeners. We had played the St. Andrews Castle course in the morning. And that is a tough walk. That is not Lynx Golf. That is switchbacks up the coastline. Um, so it's it's hard and tough. We get done, I don't know, maybe around 1.30 or 2, head into town. We have the cabbie drop us by the St. Andrews Clubhouse. We ask, you know, what's the what's the latest we can go out? Because we're starving. We need some food. But it'd be nice to get some more golf in. They say, okay, 3 o'clock. The starter in the little hut, the, the nice, kindly old gentleman says, I'll be here till 3 o'clock at least. Okay, great. That gives us an hour. We run up to the Dunvegan, have lunch, you know, amble back down the hill. There are our local authorities saying hello. Uh, we come back down the hill. And I go to say hi to the starter and, and pay our green fee, and the shade is pulled on the starter hut. And my heart just sinks. There's a, a different kind of the old gentleman locking up. And so at this point, we've got to talk our way onto the course. And what did, what did you think when you saw this sort of unfolding? So I, had, I don't remember where I was that – so for some reason, when we were dropped off, you had gone to check and I was somewhere else. So I didn't realize even that this was a different, a different individual. Um, all I was, all I knew is we walked up and, and that thing looked pretty darn closed. Yeah, two forty-five. We were there fifteen minutes before closing time, and the lights are out and the the door is being locked. Yeah, and and the the you know your heart sinking into your stomach is exactly the right is exactly the right. Uh, you know, feeling to describe there because it's, you know, again, this this is a chance to play. You know, you were only going to have so many chances to play these types of places, and you know, did did we just squander it getting a burger in? Yeah, and, and on top of that, it starts sleeting about then. You you know, you go and for some reason, so we he asks us a bunch of questions. Where we're like, you know, can we go out? We'll, you know, we can pay cash. We we just want to just go walk a few holes. And he's like, well, we're closed, but you're our members, right? You're you're ticket holders. Well, no, we're, we're we don't have we're not seasoned ticket holders. We're just hoping to to get a few holes in. And he stops and has a really long pregnant pause. And I'm thinking, oh boy, all right, well that was the wrong answer. I, sh- I should have just lied. And it was a beautifully, it was so beautifully British of that area. Uh, I, you know, it was just the you could you could see see the wheels spinning in his head. Am I really going to let these two American yokels get away with this? Right? Is he going to let us get away with it, or are we worth the trouble of whatever we're going to say, whoever we're going to complain to? And eventually he yields and says, you know what, fellas, the course is yours. I'll, I'll tell that we've got one marshal out there. I'll radio. He didn't radio to him. That guy left the course five minutes later. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I run to the tee. I've got my shoes on. I think you go and change shoes and start putting rain gear on. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't know what course we're playing. We've got no scorecard. No yardage book. I walk to the closest tee that has a one painted on it, you know, on the little the little trash box tee marker. And it says something short, I don't know, 330 yards, something like that. I'm like, okay, well, I just ate another four-pound burger uh, and some home fries. So, I like, hybrid. Okay, 200 yards, that leaves me a good shot in. That would be safe while Matt's getting his clothes on. I've never done this before, and I don't think I could do it again. But dead into the wind, I popped this hybrid straight up in the air with all the backspin in the world. And it goes, I think at its peak, it might have gone 85 yards, and it spun back to 75 yards off the tee. And I mean full swing, what I felt like was good good contact, but apparently I hit the top of the club. And so you amble up there like, hey, where'd you go? And I just kind of point like right there, you're up. And that's how we started the Jubilee round and what turned out to be the jubilee round do you have what's your recollection of that sort of transition from we're not going to be able to play to oh but you know, we got to go well, it, my favorite part of that was I, you you know you had realized a little bit earlier than i that we were going to you know that we were going to be able to make this happen and you you were giving me these kind of side eyed looks like get your butt in gear here we got to get out here before someone sees us or someone comes along and changes their mind um, so that was that was my immediate thought was oh crap I don't want to screw this up I'm gonna you know 
throw on a, a coat as fast as I possibly can. And, and you know, I'm, I'm half, I'm carrying coats and I got clubs that aren't even in the bag. And I was a hot mess walking up there. Oh yeah. Anybody walks out of the, the clubhouse, the pro shop and we're cooked. Like the, the, the jigs up at that point. <laughs> and everyone, you know, the whole world is coming in because there's this front moving through. Like I said, it starts sleeting on us. And as it turns out, what I learned later is that there were people finishing 18 to our right from the Jubilee course. There were people coming back 17 and 18 on the new course to our left. So there's people all over the place. And I, I got this little sliver kind of in between some small dunes that I think we're supposed to play. So that's what another reason I hit hybrid. I didn't want to kill somebody on another course. Uh, and have to show like, well, what are you doing playing one this time of day? Well, there we go, and we're not really. Um, so yeah, we we get out there. I think I I'm I'm in the bunker behind the green at six, and it was uh, again a little bit of a slow start. That first hole in the afternoon, both days. Um, that's where you could have made all your money. There you go. I, I of course, I of course, in in true fashion, didn't take advantage of it. Oh well, not on that hole. But as I recall, I think I won the second hole, and then I didn't win one again until we were well into the press of the bet. You know, if for yeah. for our Ely trip, uh, second trip around, where we were were trading punches, and you found your game for the Jubilee round, uh, it was hosel rocket and toe slice from me and i was watching you hit actual golf shots which was yeah you were you were that was probably the most when i you know when i said on the other course that you were not you know i hadn't seen you hit very many bad shots that whole trip even um that that changed a little bit for a for a I don't know, six, seven hole span there on the Jubilee. That was the closest you had to, I don't, I don't know that all the wheels fell off your bus, but you were, your axle was wobbling a little bit there for a while. I mean, when you heal a putt, it's just not your, your moment in time. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I know that part of it was, I think one, we were playing into the wind going out, which I, I haven't mastered that yet. And two, I think it took me a while to come to terms with the flying blind aspect. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have a GPS app on my phone. Uh, I could, but I, I think I used to. But again, we're we're not making up the holes. We're playing the course straight up, but we're just guessing. We don't even have a scorecard or any kind of map or anything. And that's a pretty narrow. There's some ribbon fairways on that Jubilee course. And and David that. <laughs> That was an experience unlike anything that I had had. It, it honestly took me back to when I was a kid and first learning the game and didn't know anything about anything at that point. It was a feeling very much like that. And, and again, you know, nowadays, you know, you like you said, there you can get apps that'll tell you where exactly your, your ball is on every single hole and how far you have to go. And you can know every little every little tiny portion of what you need to do. And this feeling was so alien to that. This was, you know, just as, as open and hell, I don't even know if we're playing the right hole kind of a feeling much less how far it is or what's between me and the green. Um, and it was, it was as liberating as Ely was. This was tenfold to that. Exactly. I, I had the thought today is that if Ely was a, if that match was in a magical feeling, just a magical afternoon, this was ethereal. I mean, when I say I had, I was uncomfortable with it. That was just purely from the golf sense. Sure. Being out, it's being out there alone on a course where you don't know where you're going. It's like we discovered a golf course. It's like and, we hopped around the corner in the forest and oh, look at that. <laughs> It's all laid out nicely for us, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, you know, each hole was new. That there was no expectation of anything. You know, there was there was a yardage number painted on the tee box marker, and that was it. Uh, you know, later in that round, um, we're, we did end up aiming at some flags that weren't ours. But you know, going out those first seven holes, and it's a straight line out. You you cross over a little bit if you're familiar with the the Jubilee layout. But it's it's straight out away from town, and you know the the it only rained on us for a couple of holes. I think by the third hole, we were just down to wind and and clouds. 
that's the uh, the story of our Scotland trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, really, the the Tourism Bureau, might, I might have to advertise with them because they got us the best weather October could have brought. But, um, yeah, I'm out there just hitting balls out to the right, which foretold what was going to happen the next day at the old course. But, you know, watching you play, we that was an interesting thing about that match, in, in both, really, because we didn't have a determined number of holes to start. Right. You know, there, there's a little, I think there's a little extra grind involved when okay if you know you've got 18 holes but if you if you know that you're not going to get all 18 in but you're not sure what the halfway point is that's a right that's a weird yeah. scoring feeling is, is it a 10 hole match or a 12 hole match or 14 hole match and boy i felt like the sand was was leaking out of my hourglass quick <laughs> um so I'll, I'll set this up for the folks. So we play seven holes, and then the court, we can kind of see each next hole that we're going. And all of a sudden, we get way back there on the big the big par five, six, and then seven. And we can't really see where we're going. We're into some dunes and some, some pretty good heather back there. So we see a tee box. And I luckily, I had scouted where we were going. But on the sixth or on the seventh hole, I'd blasted a ball so far right. I'd gone over and realized there was another hole on the way back in. I was like, hey, I think we can I think we can catch this hole and head back. Um, Still, again, hoping that we were on the same course. <laughs> very much so, because Eden's over there somewhere um, yeah. and, and some of the others. So, um but no, we we had one single that remember that there. I guess he was a member that played through. Yeah. We just let him go, and he was walking at a real good clip. And I saw him playing twelve while I was over there messing around for my ball. So I knew we were probably that was where we were going to go. So we cut from seven over to to twelve, and then you close the match out. Nice par five. I think I three putted, and that was technically that. So like, okay, I need something to play for on the way in. Something's got to change my luck, and I press. I'm like, okay, double or nothing on the way in. I've seen one hole in one in my lifetime in person. I didn't. It's not. It wasn't mine. I don't have any. But I saw somebody on a trip uh, hit a hole in one. Yours on what I guess was the 13th of Jubilee was as close as I've seen since. Did you think you made it? Honestly? Uh, I wasn't... I thought there was a real solid chance. Um, I've had that feeling one time before where uh, I hit a shot and, and you know, it was so dead on that... And that one ended up a half a revolution short of the hole. Um, this one, I think, was, was a little bit more than that, but not very much. Uh, and yeah, when I hit it, it was one of those, and cause we had just turned back West. So now we're back into the sun, what little was left of it. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, when, when you're facing East at that time of night, the light gives you a, a pretty clear view of what you have out there. When you turn back West, you can't really see very well. So it was one of those where I knew I hit it well. I knew I hit it where I was trying to hit it, uh, which was rare, but it was, I, I don't think I ever quite let myself believe that it might actually be in there. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go on a trip to Scotland to St. Andrews and get a hole in one. That's just, that's asking just a little too much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where Matt is showing his humble nature and his, his goodness and his modesty because he stood he was a statue. There's, he only does that at the extreme polar ends of golf. Either he's hit a terrible shot that he's contemplating taking up bowling full time, or he hits one of these. And so, and that is, of course, I had just pressed you. So, okay, we're off to a good start. I'm over in the gorse bush, and you've got one that's not inside the grip. It's inside the head of the putter. Okay, good. But as luck would have it. The next hole started the five in a row that we were downwind, and that's where I made all my money in Scotland, save for, I think, the 17th at the castle course over the water. Um, But, yeah, I started hit. all of a sudden I started hitting golf shots because I had to win. I think I had to win three of the next five just to get my – just to hold on, and I was able to do it. There, I, I think you ba- I think you peaked there on 13 and maybe basting in the glory yeah. a little bit. Uh, maybe a little, like maybe a little. But I'll tell you, those last. So that was funny. The next hole, because I bombed one out there that I, I didn't know I could hit, and you're over there just dropping balls, hitting. You know, you're like okay, I've got this. But those last four holes and the last three in particular were as 
in, as intense. I think I guess after 15, I go two. I go one up. I've made up my ground, and I'm now one up in our press. Yep. And we're out there against the dying light, and it's it's really getting dark fast. But that was as intense a golf competition as I've been involved in. I mean, every shot we're hitting, 16 is now my favorite tee shot in the world. You're back in there between uh, those, those slalom dunes. That's the absolutely. one where we see a green in the – again, no scorecard. We just have a distance uh, and a par. And we think, okay, is that that might be our green because it was the right color flag. I guess red is, is coming in, if I remember that correctly. Either white is out and red coming in or, or vice versa. And there's a flag in the distance. Well, it turns out that was on the new course. So I aimed one there and hit it right at it, and it worked out fine. I was in the fairway. And you, I don't know if that if you were aiming at that or not, but you hit one even a better, more aggressive line towards our green. Um, and that was that felt like a boxing match. You know, every Absolutely. you know, how close did he get up there on the green? Is you know, I, what do I have to do here? What can I not do? Um, and that was so much fun that. That was the most fun competition I've had probably since playing baseball as a kid. Um, just because it was, again, it wasn't that three or four way competition uh, in a group. It was a, a real match. So, I, you know, what what did you think coming in there? Uh, I, a lot of the same things. It was It was one of those where... You know, especially I, I had played so well early on in the match. And, yeah, I know I had, you know, double or nothing gets us back to square, basically. But but still, you know, you want to just keep that momentum going. And so especially once we got on to, like you said, 15, where you finally came came back, got over the hump and took the lead. It was it was a feeling of, oh, for God's sakes, you're not going to let this thing slip away now. Um, and then, you know, you like you said, you start off on 16 hit a good shot. All right, well, I'm, I'll one up that. And it was, it was that all the way to the end. Um, and it was, it was so enjoyable to just, you know, again, we're, we're burning daylight. There's, you know, so there's that aspect. You really don't have very much time to stop and contemplate. You've got to formulate a plan and go right now. Um, again, with virtually no information whatsoever. Yeah, that's the um, beautiful part of that. <laughs> and so it was. It was just you know, and the best part about that, and this is what I loved about about that whole day, that 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 part of the day was. I mean, you have you have to execute whatever plan you come up with. You don't know if it's going to work. Your plan may change after every single shot, and it may be dependent on what the other guy did, and it may be dependent on what you just did, because what you thought existed doesn't actually exist. And now your your second shot is completely different than what you thought it was going to be. Um, and so that and then again, the, that's the beauty of match play, uh, especially in, in a situation like this where, you know, look, what what you're doing has as much impact on what I'm going to do next as what I just did. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was very much uh, a punch counter punch feel all the way to the end. And just like at Ely, you know, coming all the way down to 18. Um, and, and to this day, I, I kick myself about not taking a little bit of extra time on the 18th tee box. Because I stepped up and I hit a club I should not have hit, and if I'd have thought about it for a half a second, I'd have put that club back and grabbed a different one. Instead, I kept the driver in my hand and hit it out of bounds by three feet. Yeah, that. Was... And I didn't know out of bounds was over there. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you're in a car park. It's like, no, I'm not. It's great. Yeah. I was. I think I hit hybrid or something because there's a short hole coming in, and we've still got what little breezes left. And I was pretty sure I was in a bunker. That one of the nice things about Scotland, you never really know if you're in a bunker. Those things just kind of, you know, they just you roll down in them. They're little coffins and little pots. Um, but I was, I was right, and right was fine because right was one fairway where we had played before. Um, so yeah, you, you, your aggression got the better of you there, which is, 
again, it did, absolutely part of the fun of match play. Um, and then I, I tell you what, you know, shaking hands and walking in, and then, you know, that's a Sunday afternoon. We were able to walk in across the old course, which was, you know, a sit, basically a city park that whole day. Um, yep. And to be able to see that, I snapped a couple of pictures. I'll, I'll post some on the, the show notes here. Um, you know, that was really, really cool. Just uh, that I was able, selfishly, yeah, I'm glad I, I broke even on the matches. But to me, that was a really satisfying end to a really good day. You know, just to, to be able to, okay, no blood drawn. We, we traded punches. You you know, d- obliterated me first, and I was able to fight back. So that's it. We both got a good story. Um, you know, and to your credit, you carried forward the next day. You played great at the old course. You know, that was, that was the best I played the whole trip. So that was – I was glad to, that you built back from, from earlier in the week. Um, but any, any other lasting thoughts? I mean, for me, that was – those were two magical afternoons. That and this isn't to disparage Fred. Fred knows I love him, and we had fun. Uh, you know, we left him. He posted up in the Dunvegan for a couple hours while we're out there, you know, playing in the dark and just had a. I'm relatively certain. I'm certain he had as much fun as we had, just in a different way. <laughs> right. Never met. You know, the, we called him the ambassador. Anytime we had to to go check on something, he was our emissary. We'd send him in because it, it's impossible not to to like him. But you know, the the trip would not have been the same. I wouldn't have been as fulfilled, I don't think, coming back, having not done those afternoon matches. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, I really have there were two two lasting thoughts for me that come out of those matches. Um, The first is that, you know, part of what made it so magical being over there was that it was very much like both of those rounds felt like, you know, we were doing something that that. You know, gentlemen have done for hundreds of years. They were, you know, a couple, a couple of old guys carrying some sticks around, chasing a little, a little ball over whatever the earth gives them. Um, you know, I'm sure at some point I probably said, you know, well, did I just hit that ball into that tall, unmown grass by that gorse bush or the tall, unmown grass by the other gorse bush? And I'm pretty sure that that's been said many times for hundreds of years on that very same piece of earth. Um, so that's part of what made it so special was that it was just, you know, doing doing what that, like you said earlier, doing what that land was supposed to be have done on it. Um but uh, the other, you know, the other thought coming out of coming out of these was both of those rounds were made better by allowing yourself to kind of fly by the seat of your pants, um, because not, none of those rounds were scheduled coming in. Right. You, you know, you do a tremendous amount of work uh, uh, on on all of these trips and we could not be more appreciative for all the effort you put in. Um, but these afternoons were intentionally left for who knows, right? Maybe we play, maybe we do something else. Um, maybe we post up at the bar with Fred, who knows? Right. But, you know, I'll, we got these incredible experiences and these wonderful matches. Some of the, you know, like you said, these are probably the best. The only other match I can think of that comes with it is you and I at the loop. Um, coming back where we both missed putts that should have won it on, on, on 18. Um, and, you know, so we had these wonderful experiences only because we didn't schedule it. Only because we kind of allowed ourselves to say, all right, well, let's let's see what the day gives us. And you know, Yeah, trying to predict the weather. Yeah, I set up the trip intentionally, like you said, have, leaving the afternoons open. We had one scheduled tea time per day, and you know, if the weather was bad, I didn't I didn't want us rushing around anywhere, um, you know, trying to make a second tea time. I think that would have been a mistake, w- withdrawn from the experience. Um, you know, I think we made the right call at Carnoustie not going back out. You know, that weather was pretty brutal. And what a, tri- what a trip to be able to hang out in the Carnoustie Club and get a tour from the president. I mean, that was that was just fun. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, the, the pro at Ely could not have been more gracious. 
you know, it's funny, a little, little sidebar. So I had mentioned the possibility to the head pro who was working that particular Saturday morning. He's like, hey, we may want to go back out after, after we get some food. He goes, okay, yeah, that's fine. Replay rate's good. Um, and so we eat, and, man, I didn't know that they buttered the bread on a sandwich over there. Like, I had an egg salad sandwich, and it had at least four ounces of butter on each side of that croissant. It was incredible. Oh, my God. It was exactly what I needed after that walk. So I go, and we go ambling back out to go see the pro again. And I can see he's already run his register. He's got his, he's got his night deposit slip, and his check's already totaled up. He's, he's just turned the calculator off when we come in. And so he looks at us, and he looks at his paperwork. He's like, I'm not, I'm not redoing this for these Americans. And he just said, fellas, the course is yours. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which that's, was, that's a good feeling right there. It was. It was beautiful. Um, luckily, you were amenable to a lunch ball because that, that post-soup and sandwich first shot, boy, there's a, that's a long way to the ground at that point. Um, it is. It's like I said, it was, and again, we're not, you know, we're not in the, the early part of the trip. We are dead smack in the middle of this sucker. And uh, I've got, I got plenty of rounds and, and planes and trains and automobiles in me at, at that point. So, yeah, but yeah, those were, those were the good days. You know, the weather, the weather is the weather, but uh, yes, discovering a course as we went, having no markings at Jubilee and, you know, Ely was by far the most picturesque. I mean, they all had their aspects, and, and North Berwick has good views, um, and Levin had, you know, fun views at certain points, but Ely is just a postcard everywhere you look, so that was really fun to be back out there. So so that is, that's what afternoons in Scotland are for. You know, if you go to Muirfield uh, or maybe Prestwick, you've got to play uh, foursomes, alternate shots in the afternoons. I think that's much more of a thing in Scotland and maybe in Ireland than it is here. Uh, but for us, afternoons were match play, and it was absolute perfection. So any other final thoughts, Matt, before I cut you loose? No, I just I, – I think that we probably don't take the time to play match play as often as we should. Um, and part of it – part of it is, you know, trying to – to find the time to play when you get out there, you want to go with several people often. Um, so, and you could, you could do it where there's multiple matches going on at the same time. Um, but so often I don't think we take the time to do it. And it's one of those things that, um, you know, it's, it's a joy when you've got somebody who, you know, that if you, in order for you to win, you must play well. And if you do not play well, you will not win. And then there's that sweet spot in the middle of, did I do enough? Um, so being able to uh, to have somebody to play a match against that's like that, it, it just makes it all that much more enjoyable. Here, here. Um, well, Matt, thanks for making the time. Uh, I really appreciate you. We're, we were long overdue for this. Uh, we will try to get to reconvene and, and relive some more of these memories with Fred soon. Um, but seriously, thank you. This was was fun to think through today, to go back Absolutely. and relive it. it. My, my pleasure, and uh, thank you for, for, for bringing it back up because uh, there's some stuff on there that I'd forgotten about, and I'm, I'm very glad to re-remember them. Excellent. Thank you. Once again, a big thank you to my dear friend Matt for coming on with me to rehash those very spiritual afternoons in Scotland. You know, in retrospect, I think we had to play our matches where we did. I don't think we could get away with going back out like we did at the old course or Carnoustie or, or some of the more popular uh, tourist destinations. Some of those courses would just simply be too busy to allow us to do what we did. And to that point, I think we had to do it when we did. You know, we were there in the October shoulder season. So the old course was busy uh, the tee sheet was full in front of us when we played Carnoustie and North Berwick but you know there's no no chance that we would find ourselves alone on Ely or Jubilee in say July or August at the, the peak season for both members of those courses and um, tourists from all over the world 
those places would be crowded. There'd be marshals everywhere. Um, and that would all be perfectly fine because everybody, as many people as can afford it to get there, should go and experience golf in Scotland. But it's not conducive to uh, the kinds of solitary experiences we had when uh, you know groups are still on the tee or uh, going off at 8 or 9 at night. It's just too crowded. You know, and we couldn't have done it. This is an important point that I, I want to emphasize. We could not have had the experiences those afternoons that we did if we'd been worried about the other member of our trip. Our third man, Fred, was perfectly content to hang out on his own while we played both matches. I mean, he and he took advantage of it. He got a really exclusive look into and around uh, the Ely Golf Clubhouse. I mean, he got the chance to go into the members' dining room, the members' bar, and examine their club history and their photographs, uh, you know, the, the lists and photos of club captains, the medals and trophies that club members had won or that the club had won in inter-club competitions that are older than the United States. You know, and he was more than happy uh, during our second match to post up at the Dunvegan in St. Andrews. Uh, making fast friends, and then he took a stroll. You know, it was Sunday afternoon, so he took a stroll around the old course, scouted out what we were going to see the next day during our round. I mean, that's just fantastic. And, you know, he had no fear of missing out that might have prevented a lot of people from enjoying themselves and making the decisions that Fred did, knowing that he didn't want to go play a second round those days. I'm so grateful that he had fun doing what he did, that really freed Matt and I up to go have our own fun, which was playing golf. You know, is there really a spirit of the game of golf? I think so. I, I think that is a real thing. And I know I felt it as strongly as I ever have playing those afternoon matches in Scotland with Matt. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots podcast. Reminder that you can interact with the show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod or on the web at BlindShotsPodcast.com. There you'll be able to download the show directly into your favorite podcast service uh, or your favorite podcast playing device, I should say. It can be found on all the major services, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the rest. You get the picture. I hope you liked what you heard here and that you'll subscribe to the podcast, share an episode with friends, or blast the show out on your social media feeds. If you didn't like what you heard here, sorry about that. Can't do anything about it now. I also hope you'll head over to the blog and check out my write-up uh, afternoons were for match play. It's a bit meandering, a bit long, but that's just like the journey that Matt and I had uh, on those magical afternoons. Please join me next time uh, here on the Blind Shots podcast. We'll have some additional Scottish golf experience episodes coming up shortly. And we'll also continue to have some non-Scottish golf related interviews and content. Uh, I'm having fun doing the short game uh, episodes just to kind of riff on whatever golf topic of the day pops into my mind. It's nice to get those out. Hope you guys are enjoying them as well. Most importantly... I hope that all of you are being safe and smart out there. We will get through this, uh, this war against our invisible enemy of the COVID-19 will end. We will all get back to the golf courses that we love someday soon. Until then, daydream your perfect spirit of the game golf match. And when you do, do choose to go for it and take dead aim. <laughs>